0: Chapter 6. Alex awoke hazily, and for a brief, disorienting moment she thought she was back in her quarters at PGI's base of operations in California. Only the ceiling was all wrong, she thought, blinking her vision into clarity. The ceiling back home didn't have little maple saplings growing out of it. She was in a small, dark place that smelled earthy and damp, like a hundred years' worth of mouldy soil and pine. A fire crackled inside an ancient wood stove in the corner, the flames making shadows dance along the log walls of this rustic hut. Wind whistled through the cracks between the logs every time the storm outside gusted. The hunting cabin! She was in the hunting cabin! She looked down at herself and saw that she was submerged beneath a large camouflage parka and a metallic emergency blanket. She was wrapped up tightly in a warm little cocoon, tucked in snug as a bug in a rug, as her mother used to say. She was off the ground, lying on some sort of creaky old cot, and then Eric's stern face loomed over her. Drink this, he ordered, handing her a thermos cup. When she didn't withdraw from the cocoon right away, he leaned forward and tipped the cup to her lips, guiding the contents into her mouth. It was hot chocolate. Very sweet, and not as warm as hot chocolate normally was. But she drank it greedily, with trembling lips. "'What happened?' she asked, her voice hoarse as she tried to move in her swaddling. "'He didn't answer. "'He just took the cup from her when she had drained the cocoa. "'He turned and crouched by the wood stove, "'creaking open the door and feeding another piece of wood into it. "'The wood sizzled and popped. "'Too wet,' she thought absently, remembering a lesson from summer camp when she was twelve. A small, dented pot of something, probably the hot cocoa, simmered on the top of the stove. Eric, she tried again. She managed to sit up in her swaddling and swung her legs to the floor. Eric, listen, if the storm clears by morning, I'm taking you back to the cabin, he announced, his back to her. Then I'm heading out again. He turned to look at her pointedly. You will not follow me. I will if I need to. Besides, how would you stop me? She managed, frowning. If you're long gone, how would you... I'll tie you to the fucking bed if I have to, he snapped. You are not coming with me. I'll send Nick back for you as soon as I reach your phone. His accent, it had slipped a little. His vowels were different and the rhythm of his speech was more pointed, but only very slightly so. English wasn't his first language, but no one would ever know it unless he was upset. And boy, was he upset. She freed her arms from the blanket and coat and struggled into a more comfortable position. Still not looking at her, he worked diligently at stripping small branches and tossing them into the stove. Then he forced close the rusted door and sat down heavily against the wall, one knee up, and rested his outstretched arm on it. He looked tired, exhausted even, and cold. His breath plumed out of him as he closed his eyes and let his head rest against the logs at his back. He must have carried her here, she realized with alarm. Through that biting wind and ice, uphill, for more than half an hour? He had carried her here, and he was paying for it now. How did you find me? she asked, trying to remember what had happened. She had been about to turn back when she'd fallen, and she couldn't remember anything after that. Go to sleep. Were you? Coming back? His eyes fluttered open, but he didn't look right at her. No. She paused. No, of course he hadn't been coming back. She picked at a fingernail with her thumb. And how did you know I was following you? He closed his eyes again. Anyone would have. You're about as subtle as an elephant, crashing through the woods like that. I wasn't crashing through the woods, she said defensively honestly having no idea whether she'd been crashing or not. I was just... walking. Yeah, like an elephant. Well, it is a mountain, she bristled. I can't exactly figure-skate down the thing. You're not prepared for conditions like this. You shouldn't have followed me. She scowled, more to herself than to express any irritation with him. And you didn't stop to wonder why I was following you? Doesn't matter i followed you because you forgot your meds, she said. You can't go even one day without them. I've told you that a hundred times. She fished into the pocket of her coat and withdrew the orange bottle. She held it out to him, but he didn't come forward. So she tossed it at him. He scooped it up from where it had landed in his lap and looked at it for a moment. Then he looked up at her, his eyes looking cold and dark, even in the firelight. Thank you. Terse words on a plume of breath. She sighed and pushed free of the metallic blanket. Once it was around her waist, she started to unzip his parka. Somehow he had managed to zip her into it completely while she had been unconscious. "'Keep that on,' he said lazily, his eyes closed. "'You need to warm up your core.' "'I know about rewarming,' she said, more testily than she had intended. "'I am a doctor.' He kept his eyes closed. "'All right,' You need to warm up your core. Doctor. Keep it on. Rewarming too quickly can be dangerous, too, she said, aware of the petulant note in her own voice. You want me to go into shock? No answer. Firm jaw, even more firmly closed eyes. What about you? she asked, sliding forward. She was on a narrow metal cot that bit into the back of her knees as she scooted forward. The rusted frame was about as ancient as this cabin was, easily over a hundred years old. But whoever had built this place would have her eternal gratitude, provided she lived long enough to make that promise mean something. I'm fine. Go to sleep. She stood, her knees shaking as her sore muscles screamed in protest. She gripped the coat around her and began moving towards him. As she grew nearer, she sank to her knees and started to curl in beside him. His eyes flew open and his hand shot out, gripping her wrist. Go to sleep, he said harshly, his grip tightening. Over there. We could warm each other, she said quickly. It doesn't make sense not to share our body heat. Over there, he said again. His eyes were large and dark, flashing in unmistakable warning. His grip on her wrist tightened even further to emphasize his meaning, and she winced at the pain. He dropped her wrist but held her steadily with his eyes. "'You'd rather freeze than let me sit next to you?' she asked. "'Are you insane?' "'I'm right next to the fire. I'm fine,' he said. "'Now, for Christ's sake, get back over there and go to sleep.' "'Well, take your coat at least,' she said, shrugging out of it and dumping it in his lap. "'I don't need it now, but you do.' She turned and crawled back to the cot, climbing up onto its cold, "'stiff metal springs,' and pulling the emergency blanket over her. "'The thought of snuggling in against Eric's warmth had been so inviting, "'so tempting, that as she shivered she silently cursed him, "'his pride, his outrage, his unrepentant stubbornness. "'She closed her eyes and tried to curl herself into a fetal position for warmth. "'Her legs felt stiff and frozen, "'and only the slightest hint of warmth tingled through her core. "'Damn the man!' They could be lying there together, off the ground, sharing their heat. There was no way it could turn sexual. It would simply be a matter of keeping warm. But he didn't want to be anywhere near her. He'd nearly broken her wrist when she'd come too close. And she could have sworn the flash of anger she'd seen in his eyes bordered on abject fear. What would he do if she wormed her way next to him anyway? Would he really push her away? Would he bodily remove her from his side? Probably she thought irritably. She opened her eyes to look at him and blinked in surprise. He was watching her. His eyes were hard and dark, glittering like obsidian in the pale warm light, inscrutable emotion flickering briefly before fading out. Without a word, he pulled the parka over himself and let his eyes drift closed. Morning dawned bright and crisp and Alex awoke to a chorus of protests from every muscle she had, plus a whole new host of aches and pains from muscles she normally wasn't even aware of. She sat up stiffly, and cursed herself for never getting back into Pilates like she'd sworn she would. She was a weak, rubbery mess. A mess with a killer headache, too. She shielded her eyes from the sun as it shot through the slats between the logs of the cabin walls, and rubbed at her aching forehead. She was so parched she could barely swallow, the thirst scraping at her throat like sandpaper. And she realized that she'd probably dehydrated herself last night on her ill-conceived journey down the mountain, which meant she was essentially hungover this morning, only without having had the pleasure of getting drunk first. That's what she should have done, she thought miserably. She should have raided the cabin for anything alcoholic and drunk herself stupid, Eric Johansson be damned. Only, she never did things like that. And even if it had killed her, she would never have let him leave without the medication he needed. She opened her eyes fully and let them adjust to the shafts of light spearing into the cabin. As she sat forward, Eric's coat fell from her shoulders and slipped to the floor. She stared down at it in amazement, momentarily unsure of what she was seeing. He had put it back on her sometime during the night, she realized. But before she could think anything more about it, she spied something of far greater importance. An unopened bottle of spring water, sitting on the floor beside her cot. She cracked it open and drank thirstily, gulping it all down in mere seconds. Sometimes nothing in the world tasted as wonderful, as life-giving as plain water. She didn't stop to wonder whether she was drinking all the water they had, or whether she'd be sorry she didn't save some for the trip back to the cabin, Her thirst was like a wild beast, totally outside her control, ravenous and demanding to be sated. When she drained the bottle, she sighed happily and closed her eyes, willing the water to do its thing and help clear her pounding head. Then her eyes flew open. Eric wasn't in the cabin. In fact, other than his coat and the water, there was no sign he'd been there at all. Her heart began to pound in her chest. Had he left her again? Was he halfway down the mountain by now, halfway out of her life? Then, from outside, the sound of small movements and the clinking of metal told her he hadn't left yet. Not yet. Almost dizzy with relief, she stood up on shaking, protesting legs and peeled off the emergency blanket cocoon that he'd made for her. She stooped to pick up his jacket and brushed off the dirt. It was still warm from her body heat. And on impulse... She held it up to her face and breathed in. His scent. Warm and woodsy, yet clean and somehow uniquely him, filled her senses. She'd never get enough of that wonderful scent, that subtle reminder of him, and wished she could simply stand there and breathe him in forever. But she had to face him. And with hunger now clawing a hole in her stomach, she knew it had to be now. The door was little more than eight or nine small logs bound together and hinged to the structure, and as she pushed it open she marvelled that this little cabin had protected them so well. She squinted against the full glare of the morning sun and brought her hand up to shield her eyes. Once her eyes had adjusted to the brightness of the day, she saw Eric, silhouetted by the sun, repacking his duffel. He stood with his back to the hut, his head lowered in concentration as he worked. He was so broad, so large and commanding. No matter how many times she saw him, the sheer size of him still amazed her. He wasn't overly muscular. His enhancements had increased his muscle strength and size, but hadn't bulked him up the way other steroids did. He was still lean and tight, his body angling down in a V-shape towards his lean hips. Even wearing heavy black cold-weather gear, he was an impressive specimen of all that a man's body could be. At the creaking of the door, he turned to look at her. Backlit by the sun, his hair glowed a golden blonde, loose strands of it falling across his forehead. He usually wore it neatly combed back, but this morning it was loose and tousled slightly by the breeze. It made him look younger than his nearly thirty-four years, more boyish, more gorgeous, if she was honest, like that was going to help. "'Good morning,' she said. "'Lame,' she thought, but considering she hadn't even been sure she'd ever see another morning again, it was all she could think of. She held out his parka towards him. "'You can have this back now.' "'Thank you.' He motioned with his chin for her to leave it on a tree stump. Then he went back to his preparations. She swallowed and looked around at their surroundings. It looked so different in the daylight. The trees looked so thin and spare, nothing like the hulking shadows they'd appeared to be in the pale moonlight. The hut itself was even more dilapidated than it had appeared last night. The roof sagged dangerously in one corner, probably from the weight of the saplings that had sprouted on it. The walls, such as they were, looked like nothing more than stacked logs with only sporadic remnants of wattle and daub in between some of them. But it had saved their lives. No, actually, he had saved their lives. Well, hers, at least. It wasn't as cold this morning, and standing in the sun, she actually felt warm. She closed her eyes and let the sun warm her face, until she actually felt like she might get a sunburn. And thank you for the water, she added, suddenly remembering. She opened her eyes to look at him, just as he held something out towards her. She reached for it, frowning an energy bar. Of course. Now he was going to feed her, too. Thank you, she said. I can't seem to stop saying that, but I mean it. Thank you. Just eat, he said, his voice flat. It's a good two hours back to the cabin, uphill. You'll need the energy. If you want to just go on, I can make my way back, she said, ripping open the bar and taking a grateful bite of the vile-tasting thing. It's not like I can get lost. She didn't know how she managed to make it sound so casual, like she was offering to let her ride, stay at the party a bit longer, and just grab a cab home. She didn't want to go back without him. And she certainly didn't want him to continue on down the mountain without her. But The thought of his having to escort her back up there, and then head back down all over again, was just too guilt-inducing for her to deal with. If he wanted to go, she'd let him go. Somehow. He looked up at her, his gaze meeting hers with cool detachment. His eyes mocked her with cold certainty. Oh, you could most definitely get lost up here, those eyes seemed to be saying. Especially you. But his words were a little more tactful. I'll make sure you get back. It wasn't an offer, it was a statement. And since there was no point in arguing with him, she lay his coat on the tree stump and folded up the emergency blanket. He took it from her smoothly and packed it into his duffel. She finished half the energy bar and wrapped up the rest, tucking it into her coat pocket for later. She tucked her gloves on more tightly and adjusted her woolen hat, preparing herself as best she could for a long hike back. "'You ready?' he asked, shrugging into his coat. He slung the duffel over his shoulder and stood, waiting sudden ripple of fear clenched her stomach fear of what going back to the cabin would mean fear of his leaving again and never returning fear that these could be the last moments she'd ever lay eyes on him eric his name left her lips before she'd even known she was going to speak she wished she could pull the syllables back in cringing inwardly at how pained she had sounded she met his eyes Expecting to see icy disdain or cold indifference. But in that moment, she saw something move across his face, and his eyes seemed to almost soften. His lips parted slightly, as though he were about to speak, but he made no sound. He looked uncertain, for just that mere moment in time. It was an expression she had seen so rarely that she almost didn't know what to make of it. She'd said his name and something in the frail simplicity of it had bored through his armour and reached him, made him look at her with that same look of hope, that unspoken plea, that almost desperate entreaty for relief. But as always, it was gone again so quickly, too quickly. Before she could step forward and touch him, before she could hold his gaze long enough to reach an even deeper part of him, he looked away, squinting against the sun as he surveyed the fresh cover of snow. I'm ready, she said quietly, her chest tightening. Lead on. She didn't think he'd take it quite so literally, but he turned and started striding up the hillside, never pausing to look back to see if she were following him. She supposed, grimly, that her elephantine hiking skills would always let him know exactly where she was. So with a deep breath, she set off trying not to focus on the tall figure moving steadily up the slope, and decidedly away from her. It was as hard a climb as the descent had been last night, and she struggled through knee-deep pockets of snow, her muscles aching with every step. At least the ice sheet had melted, and now the snow glistened softly in the sunlight and didn't offer much resistance to her clumsy steps. Once or twice he slowed his pace and looked back at her, But her progress must have satisfied him because he trudged on, head down, silent and determined, a stark figure against the brilliant snow. She too had her head down as she laboured through the snow, concentrating on making the most of each step and not exhausting herself. She'd be damned if she'd have to be carried again. She would make it back up to the cabin on her own steam, even if she had to spend three days in a hot bath and four more in bed to recover. For the next half-hour, as she trudged and clomped and breathed through her scarf, she let the thought of that bath sustain her. Which is why she didn't realize he had come to a stop until she was almost on top of him. She stopped short and immediately saw the reason why. During the night, a tree had fallen across the rudimentary trail they had taken on the way down. Large and scaled with patches of bark, it effectively blocked their path entirely. Its base, a raw wound of fresh, bright wood that spiked upwards in haphazard, jagged shards. Eric was assessing it silently, glancing around, calculating. Can we go around? she asked. No. He gestured to the left, to the steep slope that fell away from the base of the tree and its exposed roots. Just looking at it, she realized that while he was sure-footed and experienced enough to traverse... The jagged outcropping of rocks and uneven ground. She certainly wasn't. She followed his gaze to the right, and saw that the tree had crashed down into a thick cup of smaller trees, choked with bramble and dense underbrush. They could probably hack their way through it, but it would be time-consuming and exhausting. She looked back at the tree before them. They would have to go over it, somehow. We can make it over, he said, noticing her skeptical expression. Oh, he could make it over, of that she had no doubt. And before she could even open her mouth to express that belief, he had begun to climb the trunk, his long, athletic body easily scaling the curve of its massive hulk. He grabbed onto a branch, hauled himself up onto the top in two or three graceful moves, and stood looking down at her, like it was nothing, like he did it every day. Okay, O'Neill, you can do this, she told herself, quelling the knot of uncertainty that roiled in her stomach. This is just like any other problem, any other challenge. Just figure out how to do it and get it done. She looked down at the peeling bark with its patchwork of moss and spotted the small branch Eric had used as a toehold. Another branch was just within arm's reach, although it had been much easier for him to reach it than it would be for her. She stepped up onto the small branch and propelled herself up, her muscles screaming in protest, and she grabbed onto the branch above her head. Stabilized, she paused to breathe in, more to soothe her aching muscles than to calm her racing heart. Good, keep going, Eric said, squatting and holding out his hand to her vaguely, as if ready to grab her in case she fell. There's another small branch to your left. Use that one as a toehold. She followed his glance and saw that the branch was too far away for her to reach. Her legs were only so long. There was no way they'd stretch that far. I can't reach that, she said. Not all of us are eight feet tall, Thor. You can reach, he said, and a ghost of a smile touched his lips. She just about melted into the tree, joining a sap that spilled and glistened in long rivulets down the trunk. She lowered her head to her task rather than risk letting him see how gooey she had actually become at his mere hint of a smile. She braced herself against the tree and stretched her leg out as far as she could. With muscles straining and probably a few ligaments popping, she was able to tow the branch just enough to shift her weight and practically jump onto it, praying her foot didn't slip. It didn't. Her foot held fast and she was able to hoist herself up further, wedging her other boot against a gnarled knot and climbing further. When she reached the branch he had grabbed onto on his last surge upwards, she extended her arm to reach for it, but his strong hand clasped around hers instead, grabbing her tightly as he helped pull her up. One more push from her legs and she was up, stumbling a little, awkwardly, into the curve of the tree and circling her arms once or twice to balance. Breathless, relieved, she smiled at him triumphantly. I can't believe I did that! I didn't think I'd manage it! You can do anything, he said easily. And for once it didn't sound like an empty, feel-good cliché. It sounded like a simple truth. A truth that made her stomach flutter and her face flush. He turned then and surveyed the ground below them on the other side of the tree. Before she could say anything, he jumped, landing a good seven or eight feet down in a deep squat that would definitely rip her quadriceps if she tried it. She felt a rush of unexpected anxiety and sank into a squatting position. I don't think I can jump like that, she said, trying not to let her distress show. My legs don't feel very strong right now. He straightened and dropped his duffel to the snow. Then he came forward and hoisted himself farther up the tree, wedging his boots against two small branches for support. He raised his arms up to her. I'll help you. Just sit down and let yourself slide. Let myself slide? She glanced down to make sure there were no branches or other obstacles in her path. I don't know if I can. You can. I'll guide you down. I can't, she said again, feeling the panic of not being able to go forward or go back. This was ridiculous. She was only about eight feet off the ground, but it might as well have been eighty. Anxiety gripped her, and for a brief moment she thought she could very possibly die here. She imagined the baffled looks on the faces of future hikers when they came across a skeleton in a wool hat, squatting on top of a fallen tree. You didn't think you could climb up the other side, but you did, Eric said calmly. This is much easier. Yeah, easier for you, Mr. Army Ranger. He'd probably run hurdles over things like this, for fun. That little upward curve of his lips again. God, she'd stay out here all day if it earned her those half-hidden little smiles. But when she met his eyes, she saw such certainty there, such confidence and encouragement, that she let her feet slide out from under her and sat down heavily on the cold, hard bark of the tree. She braced her hands on either side of her and let her feet dangle, feeling the slight pull of gravity that threatened to drag her down. She gripped the tree more firmly. And looked at Eric in alarm. Just slide forward, he said, and reached up to grip her hips. Don't worry, I've got you. Her heart began to pound wildly because, in spite of the stern look on his face, the soft, mellow rumble of his voice betrayed the fact that at least some part of him understood the double meaning of those words. And with his strong hands on her hips, so unfamiliar, so shocking, she found herself sliding forward without another thought. Bark dragged roughly against her bottom as she slid down, and she worried that it might rip through her coat to her back. But then Eric lifted her away from the tree and against himself as he lowered her slowly, carefully, guiding her down and slowing her descent with the bulk of his own body. His strong arms gripped her ribs and slid around to her back, pressing her against himself as she slid the final few feet to the ground. She was so absorbed by the contact, so utterly engrossed in the feel of him, that she didn't look down at the ground when her feet grazed it. Hidden underneath a mound of snow, a small rock made her ankle twist over painfully as she found her footing. She cried out in pain and surprise and stepped backwards, away from the rock, and hit her head against the tree as she thumped against it. Eric came forward with her and couldn't seem to hide a bemused smile. You okay? I'm fine, thank you, she said, rubbing the back of her head. So please, go ahead, laugh. Are you? He smiled faintly, but it was like sunshine through a thunderhead. Never. She looked up into his eyes then, suddenly aware of how close they were standing. She was up against the rough bark of the tree, and he was mere inches from her, his hands now resting on her waist. He tilted his head as he looked down at her and his eyes softened for the briefest moment as he, too, seemed to become aware of how close they were standing. Sunlight brought out the golden streaks in his usually dark blonde hair, and the light wind made long strands of it flit lightly across his forehead. Even the rasp of stubble on his face glinted with golden highlights in the sun, and drew her eye to his lips, his soft, sensual, utterly kissable lips. His eyes were as intensely blue as the cold, cloudless sky, and she gazed at him, all but lost. He dipped his head a little closer to hers, and his warm breath plumed out of him to tickle her cheek and the edges of her lips. He was so close, so kissably close, his lips just inches from hers. When he flicked his eyes down to her lips and back up to her eyes again, anticipation surged through her. He was going to kiss her. She could feel the change come over him, feel desire surface in him as if kept hidden for too long. It sparked between them and filled the small space between their bodies with an almost electric charge. If he just leaned down a little more, or if she just raised herself up, their lips would touch and touch again and again. She slowly raised herself up onto her toes and parted her lips breathing in the warmth of his breath and his indescribable male heat. She locked eyes with him as she drew herself slowly up, as she invited him to lower himself slowly down. He didn't pull back, didn't come forward, but she could feel his breath quicken as he gazed at her, as his hands gripped her waist more firmly and his fingers flexed. His eyes roamed over her face, and his lips parted as his breathing hitched, inclining his head, inching closer, closer, just a whisper away. He stood back from her abruptly, lifting his lips away from her and straightening to his full height. Daniel Briggs was back, looking down at her with all the warmth of a block of stone. A muscle in his cheek flexed, and he lowered his eyes as he let go of her and turned away. If your ankle's okay, we should keep going he said over his shoulder, not looking back to see if she agreed. She stood for a moment, a shock of disappointment washing over her. She had never felt such frustration in her life. She had never wanted to kiss someone so badly, never needed to kiss someone so badly, and had never felt such an aching emptiness when it hadn't happened. She dragged in a breath and adjusted her coat, willing her heart to slow. She then pushed off from the tree and began to follow him again. They continued on in silence for another half hour, the sun climbing the sky as they ascended towards safety and warmth. The forest was serenely quiet, its dense silence shattered only occasionally by the cry of a red-tailed hawk wheeling overhead, or a skittering of snow off branches as a squirrel or rabbit dashed amongst the underbrush. She listened for each unique sound, the quiet so intense that it almost made her ears ring. She picked up her pace and forced herself to walk through the pain in her legs, which was lessening slightly as she moved. Soon she was almost apace with him, but he always managed to surge ahead, never remaining too close to her for too long. Because she might talk to him, she thought. She might actually speak, and even if ice storms and frigid temperatures didn't frighten him, Talking to her sure seemed to, the same way the thought of kissing her did. He'd wanted to kiss her. She'd felt him wanting to, if that were possible. She'd felt the tug of desire, she'd felt the tension in his body, felt the hitch in his breathing. She'd seen the indecision flickering in his eyes, watched his lips part and his head angle towards her, Maybe the excitement and the anticipation of it had made her do something to make him stop. Maybe she'd been too eager, too desperate for it. Maybe he had seen too much in her eyes, and had seen in those few seconds what it would mean to her if he did lower his lips to hers and kiss her. Whatever the reason, he was still in control of himself, as always. Maybe for one brief... Fleeting moment, he'd allowed himself to desire her, and to permit himself a simple intimacy that most men took for granted. But he wasn't most men, and nothing about him would ever be simple. Not even a nice, gentle kiss on a sunlit mountain, with a woman who loved and understood him. Finally, after another forty minutes of hard climbing, they ascended the final crest of the mountain, and the cabin came into view, shining like a knotty pine oasis in a desert of snow and trees. She surged forward happily, finding energy from somewhere, and even scooted past him as they crunched up the driveway towards the porch. Her legs were screaming, her hips felt ready to seize up, and she was so cold she couldn't even remember what warm felt like. But she was so happy to have made it back that she didn't care. She mounted the front steps on shaky legs and turned back to smile giddily at Eric in smile back. He just watched her, his face betraying neither amusement nor disdain. His expression betrayed nothing, in fact, but a still, grim determination to complete his mission and get the hell away from this place. And most of all, from her.